When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a celebration, not even a parade, but it's the 11th season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the one and only Susie Essman is returning. She has been there for 11 whole seasons. In between, she's done a zillion television things. She's written books. She's raised a house full of children, all unexpected. And I don't know, Susie is up to two zillion things. Congratulations <laughs> on everything, and you still have the foul mouth. You are of the course. perfect wife. <laughs> I know. I haven't outgrown that. You. <laughs> no, but sometimes when you think like you're starting, now you're, the season is about, when is it, October 24th on HBO? October 24th, yeah. yeah. You know, Joan, we've been doing this for 21 years. Hard to believe, right? It really is. I mean, what we've been through for the past 21 years, marriages, divorce, babies, grandkids, it's like, you know, it's family. Right. And a lot of the same people are still back there. And to think that it all started in a comedy club a zillion years ago. Larry David was doing stand-up, and so were you. Yep. Amazing, right? That's where we met. And I remember we used to hang out at the bar at Catch a Rising Star because all the comics hung out. And Joy Behar, who is our mutual dearest friend, um, Joy and I would be standing at the bar, and Larry would just be telling us all his tales of woe of his (laughs) dating life. And all of those stories he was told us became George Costanza storylines. Unreal. And and you described, which I loved, because... I love stand-up, and we used to go all the time. It was the biggest thing in New York. And Larry, you would describe, was so dangerous that the comics wouldn't leave even if they finished their bits because they wanted it right. Because you knew something funny was going to happen when he was on stage. He was so um, he was so volatile and so, like, you know, ready to just hate the audience for whatever they did. Everybody's laughing. One person's not laughing. That's who he zeroes in on and goes crazy on them. He was just, he was just so funny. Right. So and funny. But I will say this. In, back in those years in the 80s, if you would have said to any comedian hanging out at the bar, Larry's going to be richer and more famous than all of us put together, nobody would believe it. No, because you, you would describe that he would come out and he'd look at the audience and he would shake his head and said, nah, no good. I don't think so. And then they'd walk off. He was unreal because he didn't care about But he had amazing, amazing material. He had such funny material. He wrote it. Yeah. He was a great writer, which I think he's proved. And then you kept up with Larry David. I'm talking to Susie Essman, who plays— You know, I didn't really keep up with him. He moved to L.A., of course, to do Seinfeld. And— I didn't see him. I, I think I ran into him a couple times when he was in New York, but we weren't that kind of friends. You know, we were very friendly, but not call each other kind of friends. And then he saw me in 1999. I did a Friars roast of Jerry Stiller. Aha. Uh-huh. 
I miss Jerry. I used to I run into him all the time on the Upper West Side. Loved him. Um, what a dear man. And and also I miss uh, Anne. Uh, Anne. Yeah, she was so funny. I know, they were great. They were like my um, inspiration anyway, when I started out because yeah, they would yeah. do those Blue Nun wine commercials on the radio. <laughs> do you remember those? They were crazy. I do. I do. Anyway, um, go ahead. So, but and, and so Larry saw me on that roast, and it was like, oh, you know, light bulb. Oh, Susie, she's perfect for this part. So um, he called me up and gave me the part. But you know, I hadn't seen him in all those years. But that goes to my uh, my theory about careers and success, which is just keep showing up, showing up, showing up. And it will happen. Because that's what I did for the Friars all those years, that they would have all these benefits, and I had to prove myself. Because, you know, all those all those old those old comedians, they didn't yeah. think I, I was going to be funny because I was a girl. <laughs> those old comics. I know, yeah, but... The, the Alan Kings, and, you know, I mean, if you're... Especially if you're halfway decent-looking, it's very confusing for them in those days. <laughs> <laughs> but, Ben, when Larry David gave you Susie Green... Was she developed yet, or no, did you have no. to find her? You know, she he had one scene in mind in that first season where she's screaming and yelling at Jeff. Jeff brings a fresh air front kid into, into the house to live with us, and the kid robs us blind. <laughs> so he had that scene in mind where she's just cursing and screaming and yelling, and he wanted that kind of energy, which, you know, I was perfectly capable of doing. Right. But beyond that, I've never gotten a direction from him, ever. We've never discussed the character. It just kind of developed. I just kind of made up this character I wanted to play who was was incredibly um, reactive. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't analyze anything. Did you say this? She punches back, whatever it is. She's completely secure in all of her feelings and opinions, the way she dresses. She thinks she's the greatest dresser in the world. So I kind of developed this character it's very unlike me because I question everything and analyze everything. I'm a comic. Of course. Um, because it w- I thought it would be fun to play. And, then- and I thought it would be fun. <laughs> oh, this is funny, Joan. When the, I had this idea of how I wanted her to dress, which is kind of like, you know, well, how she dresses. Right. And uh, our wardrobe designer at the time in season one was from the Midwest. And she said to me, well, where am I going to find clothes like that? And I said to her, the back room of Lomans, and she had never heard of Lomans. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the now defunct. So we had to do a field trip. I had to take her to the back room of Lomans. She's like, I've never seen things like this. It's like, that's right. <laughs> and our mothers used to have favorite salespeople who worked yes. at Lomans. My mother would get a call and say, guess what came in? And she would pack us all in the car. With her girlfriends, they stopped playing Mahjong at that moment, and they would hit the hills for Lomans. Yeah. And I told you, like, special. crazy. And my favorite Lomans story was I go in the back room, and they had the rolling, you know, carts where the clothes were hanging, and there was a dress that I really liked. So I take my clothes off, I tie that dress on, and I said, okay, I'm done, I'm buying it. And as I'm walking out holding the dress, this tall, fairly elegant woman says to me, what are you doing with that? That's my dress. <gasps> I said, how could it be your dress? She said, "Oh, she, t- <laughs> she took it off to try on something. Connie Eisenstadt, I'll never forget it, oh, that's from hilarious. California. She came all the way to Lomans, <laughs> and I was buying her dress. 
That's hilarious. You had to give it back to her, of course. Of course I had to give it back to her. And oh, we, how disappointing. And we, we, you, you remember how, like, everyone had an opinion. You know, you had the one big dressing room, open dressing right, room. With all of us in no, it. Exactly. And everybody had an opinion, strangers, on whatever you tried on. <laughs> it was hilarious right. in there. <laughs> and, and we ended up buying a whole lot of stuff. And I don't know about you, but then we would go over to Arthur Avenue and go to the market. And get all that Italian food. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Something excursion be without food. So Susie Green was your real development. She was there, but she was sort of a skeleton when you first met her. Yeah, I, I created her. I created her. And, and, you know, Larry and I over the years, as I said, we've never discussed the character. But we're so in tune so that as seasons went on, he would get what I was doing and write more towards it, and I would get what he wanted and give him more. You know, we just had had what I always call a dialogue of the unconscious, and it developed. And this season, where we have so much, we have more stuff together than ever this season. And there's a lot of there's a lot of quid pro quo going on. Like you do this for me, and I'll do this for you, etc. It's quite great. Well, I can't wait, and I've seen some, you know, some of the little tips and advances that were up there, and it's it could not be funnier. It, we have such just... great guest stars this season, Joan. Oh, tell me, who have you got? Oh, okay, for Tracy Ullman, who is brilliant. Love her. Oh my God, she's so funny. She's in in the four episodes, I think. So she's got a run. She's got an arc. Uh, let me think who else. Uh, Woody Harrelson, Bill Hader, wow. uh, Lucy Liu, uh, Julie Bowen. Oh, you um, big time. Uh, um, uh, Seth Rogen, Albert Brooks. Um, I'm leaving people out. No, but Matt it's Walsh. fantastic. There's just so many great guest stars. And then other regulars are back. Vince Vaughn is back. Ted Danson is back. Richard Kind, your, your cousin is cousin, back. cousin. Cousin I Richard. I'm, he's funny. Oh, God, he's so funny. He's so talented. No, Do you know that is. Richard and I met each other in 1980 in an acting class? Wait, in, New, in York New York or Chicago? New York. Yeah, in New York. Oh, my God. Well, it just shows you. In 20 years, you did stand-up. And, you know, if someone had said, what, what's going to be, you in a million years probably couldn't have thought of this. Or even Larry David at that time. If somebody said to me in 1983, this is where... Your life is going to end up when you were 66 years old. I would have said, give it to right. me. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and at what stage? I forgot when you met Jimmy, your now husband. How many years into Curb were you? I met, We started in 2000. And I met Jimmy in 2003. So I don't remember which season. Probably three we were right. doing. We, we have beginning. so long between seasons that I never remember. And Jimmy, luckily, he didn't when even I know. Met him, he didn't. He didn't have HBO, so he had never seen me. Because, you know, it was a little difficult people seeing Susie Green to get a date. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and the stories of you, I still remember when I'd say, how's your social life, Susie? And you'd say, I'm nibbling. I'm nibbling. <laughs> I'm snacking. <laughs> You're but, you know, snacking. All those years when I was doing stand-up, it was so easy not to have a, a boyfriend or a husband because you have a built-in social life. You walk into any club, you know everybody there. You don't have to make any effort. You know, all, you know all the comics, all the bartenders, all the waitresses, right. waiters, you're whatever. Home. It, it, you're home. It, it's your it's your cheers, you know. And um, and working every Saturday night, working New Year's Eve, working all those you know all those date night things. I was always working. 
which is a gift. But when you first started working on Curb, I still remember you were barely getting enough money to pay for an apartment rent. Oh, yeah. Well, the first uh, the first five, six seasons, actually. Well, yeah. because now, no one— Now we're good. Now I'm happy. Now we're good. I hope so, because you make <laughs> us all happy. And, you know, I know it's my favorite show, but if you've never seen Curb, it's a real treat. And Susie, this Susie, plays another Susie who really isn't like her, but she is the foul-mouthed wife of Jeff, who is the manager, the agent of Larry David. And all fabulous characters and all make you laugh. By the way, you were very funny on Colbert. You did Thanks, a great Joe. job on that. And, Thank you. You know, and it's not easy. You know, do you ever get anxiety when you always, have to of do that? I get anxiety. I always get anxiety. You know, people, one of the hardest things is, you know, people like, oh, just relax, be yourself. It's not so easy to just be yourself. Yeah, like who is yourself? You've you know? got a lot of selves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and you want to be entertaining and you want to be, so. Right. Um, he was pretty easy to talk to, so I enjoyed that. Most most talk show hosts, well, you look, you do it. You're great. You've been doing this for how many years? You yeah. know how to oh talk to God. people. It's different, though. But you go on national television, there's always some self-consciousness and anxiety, of course. You know, and it's interesting because when I see my friends on national TV, I start getting this nervous feeling, which is ridiculous, in the pit of my stomach. What are I they know, I do, do the same thing because you're worried that they're not going to be good enough. Right. That, and that, that somehow they're just, you, you, you just feel anxious for them. And you know, you and Joy are really funny people. I mean, the way you look at life and things, you have a funny outlook. But a lot of comics and stand ups are really sort of depressives. You know, they're not funny, That's funny true. people. That's so, true. I often wonder how tough it is when you're doing a guest appearance, not you, but I mean others on major shows, how you have to get yourself up for it. Well, you know, you do. You have to. It's like getting on stage. You, you have to prepare and you have to focus and you have to get in. You know, before I would have to get on stage when I used to do stand-up, I would have to put myself in a certain head. You know, it's almost a self-hypnosis uh, thing that you do. That you just put yourself in a place because, believe me, I would not not every time I had to go do stand up was I in the mood. You know, I'm you're not sure. always in the mood to be funny. So um, it's different when you're doing a show and you're acting with other people. But when you're doing stand up, it's just all you, and the onus is completely on you. And it's it's hard and it's a lot of stress. No, like being vulnerable, being out there all alone, and if if, if people don't laugh, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. Much easier to be a, a, a musician, although you have to hit the notes. You've got other people around you, usually. It's true, but you're not alone, and, and that's the difference. Stand-up is very isolating, and, and you've got to do it. And in the midst of all this, you suddenly acquired four children. That's... Yes, <laughs> but they're all older now. Now I'm a grandma. Now, She's coming over today, my little girl. Oh, that's hysterical. But the kids accepted you, right? Yes, but, but yeah. Listen, I'm not going to say it was all a day at the beach. Right. There were issues, um, but you know, I, I worked very hard at it, and it's it's not the one thing that I I always learned from the very beginning was that I could not compete with them. They had to come first. That was with Jimmy. smart. Yeah, because I've watched other people 
have that problem, other friends of mine who are step-parents. And there's just a natural uh, competition there, I think. Right, especially girls. Like what? I said especially girls. Girls can be Especially girls, which I had three. So I was very, very conscious. You know, at a different time in my life, it probably wouldn't have worked out as well. But when I, I met them, I was 48. I had been through so much therapy. I had been through so much work on myself. And um, I think that it was the right time in my life to, right. to take that on. If I had been, you know, 38, it might not Different. have worked. Yeah but, yeah, but you sort of knew who you were. And right. it, it makes a whole difference. Susie, all the best to you. Season 11, October 24th, HBO, HBO Max. Curb your enthusiasm and you will participate and say hello to the one and only Susie Green. We'll talk very Thanks, soon. Thanks, Joan. Take care. Love to Jimmy. We'll see All you. All right. Bye-bye. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.